from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Friday, May 11, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Andre Henry. Yo. Over there on the ones and twos, our, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, <laughs> podcaster, our newest cast member, Annie F. Downs. Hi, gents. Good morning. All right, this is it. It's week two of two episodes, so uh, another one in the can. If you didn't, uh, if you're a normal kind of Friday night downloader, go check your feed. There's a Wednesday show waiting for you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're in the grand experiment this month. We are uh, feeling out, going to two shows a week, and so far, so good. We've yeah. we've enjoyed it. The response has been good. The sponsors like it. More content for you guys. Um, yeah, in yeah, fact, we, and let, let me give this teaser for Friday's show. <laughs> Which is Tune in for Andy Minion. <laughs> oh, Wednesday for the White Wednesday, House takes. Wednesday show. Oh, for Wednesday, well, for, <laughs> for Wednesday, for Wednesday show. show. <laughs> Tune in. Tune in for Andy Minio. Yeah. Stay. Yeah. For the lighthouse takes. They get hot. We did. We we broke down uh, Donald Glover, Kanye, and lighthouses. And lighthouses. <laughs> All the issues. We All the pertinent, burning right cultural conversations. We have our finger on the pulse of what the American people want to talk All about. All the important right. things that are keeping you up at night. Yeah. That's right. It, it, you know, and not so much Lighthouse, but it was Lighthouse Keepers. Right. Yes. Lighthouse right. Keepers right. was most of yep. uh, That was Wednesday's episode. Actually, so the cool thing is by going to two a week, uh, one, the thing that really sparked this shift for us was we had too many great guests than, mm. than we could squeeze in on, on uh, one show. And so uh, this this week on Wednesday, we had Andy Minio. And today on today's show, none other than Christine Kane is joining us. Oh, Woo-hoo. I love her. She's, wow. uh, I believe she just appeared on a, on a list recently. Didn't? She did. As didn't? did Annie F. Downs. Yeah, that's right. On the uh, same list. Yeah. Of, uh, same list. Uh, yeah. you, you wrote the 12 list. 12 really effective women preachers you should know about. I, when I saw our headline of effective, I was like, well, that's weird. And then, <laughs> and then when I, oh, okay, okay. We're, we're actually fixing somebody else's list. It was kind of a clapback. Exactly. Yeah. It was kind of a clapback. Yeah, no, it, it was. was totally, kind of. It totally was a clapback. I was very proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, well, I, it was funny because Andre and I went back. I mean, little people on the court and Andre and I kind of went back and forth on the headline. Yeah. We're like, well, people get the connection, but we're like, we got to do it. It's yeah. the same day. We have yeah. to yeah. If it was it. a yeah. couple days later, no, we changed the headline. But the fact that we were fixing a list that had been released that day. Right. Yeah, you have to use the same weird terms. Indeed. There you oh, go. Oh, can, can I tell, before we get I know we got a lot to get to today. But I have a, I have a story that, um, something that happened to me that has been on my mind, and I just want to just get it off my chest, if that's cool. Just get it off your chest, buddy. That's why we're here. <laughs> this weekend, I'm driving back into my neighborhood from running some errands, and uh, all, by the side of the curb, I see a gigantic pile of garbage, but it looks like there's cool stuff in there. Like, these people are moving, and just, they don't even have it in bags. They just shoved it out on the curb, you know? <laughs> and I don't know technically what the law is, but my understanding, that's free-for-all. It like, is. they don't own that anymore. Yeah. Like, if it's yeah. on the curb, it wasn't garbage day. But if it's on the curb, I'm free to... to and it was bagged up? It wasn't bagged up, but I'm free okay, to rifle okay. through it at that point, right? <laughs> Legally? For sure. Yes, yes. Okay, so I, I pull over my car, and I begin rifling through this giant pile of stuff. Did I you mean, really? 
us. You're that guy? Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, usually I'm not that guy. Usually I'm not that guy. But I saw two surfboards, a boogie board, and a foosball table. Oh, wow. Okay? You wouldn't rifle through that? Dude, I literally just this weekend put a foosball table out at the curb. Like, that's so crazy. <laughs> Did someone take it? Did, Did someone take it before garbage day? Yeah, somebody. Yeah, of course somebody took it. You don't Jesse, leave a food did you ball. drive to Orlando hey, to go that, through Chandler? I mean, that's how trash. I got a canoe. A, 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 a neighbor put a, a kind of a old canoe out and it with a note saying, "Here you go if you want it." And I yeah. hauled it to my house and I'm re- <laughs> hey, refurbishing this no canoe. Note. I was gonna say, wait, somebody that, put a canoe out for trash day? A canoe, a full size, two hundred pound canoe. Listen, that is definitely not how you dispose of a canoe. I know. Well, how do you Thank dispose you. of a canoe? I am no expert here. That's what I'm saying. They just left it out there with a note, like, "Please take it." Like, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh funny. yeah, okay, cool." I got a canoe. So anyway, I'm rifling. I'm rifling through everything, pondering my options. Like, how much do I want this dirty old food table that's been rained on? And out of the corner of my eye, down the street, this is true. I see a, a, like a a, a a truck that had pulled into a driveway. The door was open, and it start and it's rolling away. <laughs> is that free for the taking? <gasps> I'm like, as well? oh my gosh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, that, so I speed. I jump in my car because my car is still running, and I speed over there. I slam on the brakes, like, and I jump out and I start sprinting. I'm like, dude, this is like my diehard moment right <laughs> here. I'm gonna jump in that car. I'm gonna jump in that car, and I'm gonna commandeer it and slam on the brakes before it like oh, just drives gosh. in his house. Like, I was so pumped. I'm like sprinting. Like I said, like I felt like the rock or something. I'm just sprinting full speed and I'm about to dive in the door when another guy who was like at the front door, whose tr- whose truck it was, jumped in like he he saw it out of the corner of his eye slightly after I did. And I didn't see him till last second. He jumped in and slammed on the brakes. And he was like, uh, he's like, oh, man, that was crazy. And I was like, really? I was kind of upset. Because <laughs> I'm like, dude, you just stole my action hero moment, man. I was going to have a story to tell that I chase this thing down you just jumped in front of me i felt like it was his mistake he should have let me take the glory well, yeah, yeah am i right to be like a little irritated because i haven't stopped thinking about it since it happened go back down the block and load up that foosball table on the back of his truck right and take it home for you that's yeah. the right thing to do yeah yeah exactly hey hey you got to pick up truck chief How, that's the real question did you take you the foosball exactly. table i need i need help do you have a home. smelly uh kind of damp <laughs> foosball table in your home right now oh i mean it's i'm i'm sitting my laptop on it right now to record i mean these things are versatile man yes i can have people over at parties and, and play it you know it's unfair because the in front of one goal is dry rotted and there's a large hole so it's really hard to score in that one but still it's uh right. it's a fine piece of furniture you know i mean how does a truck roll away like that it's not on no, no, i think he how left it, it on but he didn't he did he thought he put it in park but he didn't put it in, uh, he, he just left it in drive mm-hmm. or a neutral or something oh, yeah, just rolled. yeah. but it was going to be a really cool move by me the the canoe i got had a hole in it as well it's oh my a fi- fiberglass canoe and uh and but i just went down and learned i watched some videos online on how do you do fiberglass and, and I it. did it. I fixed wow. it. Wow. So, you know what I would have done? I would have watched videos on how to fix fiberglass and be like, too much work. I'm putting this out. <laughs> and I would have dragged it back to my neighbor's curb when I would have got it. This ain't going to my curb. Yeah, this is going, you know, it. still hits. If you need any surfboards or, or, or kayaks or anything fashioned for you, I can now <laughs> make water vessels out of fiberglass in my backyard. So. Um, restoring a canoe with my kid. I mean, their junk, our our treasure, right? It's adorable. That's cool. It is cool. And like sanding it down. Yeah. We're gonna paint it. I got a couple of cool wood seats for it. The seats had rotted out, but mm-hmm. yeah, 
There you go. We got yeah. a canoe. Cameron, can I ask an important question? Yeah. Is this the right time to do a check-in on y'all's training oh, before for, you start training? Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, the Hood to Coast race, uh, I'm I'm running in late August. Jesse has not yet officially registered, but he will be on our team as well. But he's drinking well. Gatorade like yeah. he's hydrating. So that's what made me wonder. Well, this is the difference between me and Jesse. He, st- he, he started training before registering. I registered, hadn't started training. You know, so like this is the, our two personalities. He just goes for sure. it, but doesn't follow through on the details. They all figured themselves out. <laughs> <laughs> a little, little word of the wise, little wisdom. Wow. Uh, so, so the hood to coast races. Is, okay. So I've been saying off the top of my head because in my head, I'm, I'm running with team world vision and it, and we are trying to raise money for clean water for South Sudan. Mm. And so each member of the team, um, each of the, it's a 200 mile race from Mount hood to the coast. And it goes over 24 hours. And, oh and like you run through the night, you have this team, you're in a van, you take turns like it's a relay race. And um, Andre, you you won't even believe the rest of the story when you hear how Cameron's not training. Well, they well they <laughs> I, I, I thought because World Vision in my head, Seattle. You know, it's uh-huh. not Seattle. Mount Hood is Portland. The whole thing's oh. in Portland, so I'm glad I didn't book my tickets. But um, yeah, so it's, the <laughs> See, whole thing. That's what I, it's Cameron. Had you over prepared, had you been a responsible adult and bought tickets, you'd be in the wrong city, Chief. Yeah. You just gotta <laughs> play it as it comes. So I got all the packets and stuff of like the training regimen because I am not a runner. I have not run more than a mile in my life. And so I'm very scared about this. Honestly, like my mom, I was telling my parents about it the other day at lunch and, and my mom's like, what was that? Like some bucket list for you? Like, why are you doing this? I'm like, (laughs) no, like, it's not like a bucket list. I'm not, it's just part of it is obviously it's a very good cause. Right. You know, I believe in the cause Mm -hmm. and part of it is, Sometimes in life, you got to say yes to stuff that scares you. Yeah. You know, Word. and I like, say yes before you think it through, like just like commit, do it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what yeah. this Otherwise is for me. Right. Yeah. I'll never do it. Right. And so uh, training started Monday, uh, May 7th. And, and there's a literally six days a week of training. Goodness. Thing, whatever. And I mean, it was easy. It's that whole like couch to 5k oh, wow. kind of mindset right now, Annie. It's like 20 minutes. So, easy. So did you go run on Monday? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay, great. Yeah, so I did the 20 minutes kind of breaking into it. Jesse keeps sending me these running app things where he's running circles around Virginia. (laughs) Like, hey, just did my 12 miles. Screenshotting, and I text him in a mocking fashion. Because I'm like, I motivate by trash I made it down to the end of the block and back. Hey, I got a sweet canoe out of the deal, but I I just made it down to the end of the 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 block. I couldn't run back because I was carrying a canoe. I dragged a canoe back. This is a little inside baseball, but Cameron, who won the Indiana Cleveland series? I don't. Is that baseball? Oh, oh, basketball. No, no. The, oh, uh, Cleveland. And it was because of the performance of LeBron James. Now, if he didn't have yeah. Lance Stevenson in his face, irritating the heck out of them the yeah. whole game, talking trash. Right? Do you think he? They they might not have won. They weren't playing well. Cameron, I am your Lance Stevenson right now. I I'm think in your Lance- grill. <laughs> I'm blowing in your ear. I'm trying to get in there. <laughs> do less of that. Do less of that. I I I get it. I, I see what you're doing. I, it, it It's going to work. It's going to work. It's it just because you're annoying me so much right now and leaving me in the dust. <laughs> that is like, uh. hey, there was a, there was a point in that Cleveland Indiana series where LeBron James went out for a dunk. Lance Stevenson had no play on the ball. So he just went and slapped the top of LeBron's head as hard as he can I in an it. effort to rub off his hair plugs. <laughs> and, <laughs> and LeBron came down and was literally, did you see this play, Cameron? Uh-huh. I went on Twitter to make sure like I was the only one who noticed this. And Twitter, sorry no. about it. And the 
rest of the series, I, I'm look. LeBron is a superhuman, <laughs> but his one weakness is that patchy hair he's got. And I think I think Lance literally rubbed out some hair plugs. Oh That's the level gosh. I need to get. I need to be for you, Cameron. Yeah. I need to be that annoying in order really to get your competitive you fire training. going. I yeah, I did. I mean, it's I'm one really of those things that you, it's crawl, walk, run, and if you don't take the first step, you won't ever run, right? So it's like. I I took and the, the first training step. starts mm-hmm. that slow. The training starts like a couch to five k. Well, the there's one they gave there's you. two two training regimens. One's intermediate uh, to the race, and one's yeah. beginner to the race. Mm-hmm. The intermediate day one, you're three and a half miles. That's your you know goodness. It, beginner day one, literally, actually, this is true. Um, day day uh, day two was twenty minutes easy. It said easy, just get out there for twenty minutes. Day two, day one just had an X on it, like. Just, oh. just psych yourself up. Just think about really? it. Yeah, honestly, the beginner one, like on Monday, day one is just wrap your brain around what's going to happen. Around that you are starting. I appreciated training. it. Day, 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 day four just says day four. That one just says nah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. So, uh, oh, hey, good pretty on soon, you, Cameron. I'm proud want, of you. Uh, we're not going to talk about this too much for the next three months. I mean, you know, a lot of people run. It's not a big deal. But Jesse and I are doing this for a good cause, and so we'll give you guys updates uh, as it gets closer and ways maybe. You I can, do care though. I really yeah. care about your survival here. Well, my mom, my mom, she's like, well, this that just sounds dumb and painful. Like, why would you do that? And I'm mm. like, I was just, you know, I'm, I don't know. It's just one of those things I want to do. And she's like, you know, well, the problem is the elevation. She goes, you remember when you were a child, you had bronchial asthma. She goes, oh, wow. She's <laughs> like, when, where does the race start? And I, it was on Mount Hood at 6,000 foot elevation. Oh, good. You start at 6,000 feet and you run down. But it's not like a down all the way down. You kind of go up and down, up and down, mm-hmm, it's, you know, mm-hmm. the Portland terrain. She goes, you cannot prepare for that. Like in running here right. in Florida at yeah. 20 feet above sea level, your lungs will not be prepared for that. Yeah, Even mm-hmm. like an experienced runner here would have a lot of problems. problems. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and, then and she's like, the same thought. I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe. You I know that's what I'm saying. I'm Mount like, Hood, you're my, I put Mount Hood on my dream board and <laughs> I just, I just board. visioning it into But my existence. mother is literally that's, going, Oprah you, style. you could die. Like, why would you do this? Like, mm. you can't, you cannot prepare for this. Is I'm there, like, thanks for this positive affirmation <laughs> and belief in me. Is there any way that you could simulate that at all? Like, I don't know. I think they have yeah. those like mask things I bet that it's you can. Gym. Yeah, you could wear a mask. Yeah. They, I, I saw somebody training, I saw footage of some athlete training and he was running like on a treadmill and he had some sort of mask over his face. It wasn't an oxygen mask. Yeah. It wasn't plugged in anything. It was just like to deprive of oxygen. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And like build up your, your lung lungs, stamina yeah. or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. You also know. look like a cool super villain if you're running around the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you really freak people out when they when you see a guy running down the street with like a futuristic Darth Vader mask on. You think something bad has happened? Uh, you're like that's but, the guy uh, who took my canoe training. for sure. That's yeah. the guy who took my that canoe. Guy <laughs> is yeah. running around canoe stealing canoes. <laughs> yeah, I put the canoe out so the lacquer would dry, <laughs> and, and somebody <laughs> stole it. Do you believe it? I was refurbishing it with my son, and somebody just <laughs> stole somebody it. Somebody took it. Somebody I bet it's that guy in the mask. Oh, man. <laughs> well, uh, moving the show along, uh, if you listen to Wednesday's show, we did In Case You Missed It and had a guest and we did um, uh, uh, your feedback. And on the Friday edition, we'll do Slices, uh, a guest, and we'll do our Listener of the Week. So that's what's coming up in store for, for you today. And with that, it is time for Slices. <laughs> hey, uh, did really y'all hear? Uh, you know, obviously Inside Baseball, uh, last week we debuted the new Slices intro. None of us reacted to it because it wasn't ready when we recorded. Hearing it in post, what do you think? 
I, I mean, I think it's a, very it. apropos. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, Did you hear the home run? The, the, the <laughs> knives at the end, you know, for slicing things up? Like the mm. little oh, subtle. Very of course. Yeah. Very meta. Brilliant. Yeah. Very meta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? <laughs> you can really dissect that slice. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh. Okay. Here we go. I think we okay. could do like like stuff. they've been doing with those Donald Glover video frame by frame kind of reference like uh, Twitter yeah. threads. Yeah. <laughs> we could do one of those dissecting our, our new uh, slices. Audio it's, it's like Did it's two sentences. This? So first you hear it and it's the word slices. But you know what else is in there? Uh, a, a shofar. You hear That's a little right. shofar in there, uh, which is also <laughs> a reference to old jokes. But Very you know. layered. Very layered. Chandler, um, well done. Okay, well, I've been waiting to talk about this story for a while. <laughs> for a while. Okay, how many of you guys have seen one of the MCU movies in the theater itself? Like, yeah. Not necessarily Infinity War, but any, right? Yeah. Have you seen one, Annie? Yeah. Andre? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cameron, I, do you, have you seen any of the Marvel movies? I think I saw, like, Avengers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I really enjoy so them. anyone who has seen one knows that uh, when the movie's over, it's not really over. The credits start to roll, but everyone stays in their seats because always there's this mid credit. There's a scene. thing. Yeah. It's yes. like it's yeah, like our show with a I little outtake that. at the very end. Yeah. 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 So people wait around in the theater for this. Well, this mid credit scene in Infinity War has caused a pastor in uh, Los Angeles to get in a little bit of trouble with the law. <laughs> and here's, here's what happened. Um, he was detained for several hours, ended up getting charged with a misdemeanor and had to have his home thoroughly searched. So wow. uh, this pastor, Michael Weber, uh, he is he likes to use every opportunity he can to do some evangelism. So <laughs> he went to go see the new Avengers movie, In- Infinity War. Oh, no. After the movie concluded, uh, he says, um, you know, as the credits started to end, I stood up in my seat and began to preach. The unusual part about this particular night, these are his words, was that every other time I've stood up to preach in theaters, the lights would come up as the credits began. But this night, they did not. So he started asking people where they think they would spend eternity if they died that night. And people in the darkened theater uh, uh, got a little freaked out by that because they couldn't see that. He, he, He says he had his hands up so that they could see he was just a preacher. So people started running out of the theater and the cops came and arrested him because he he decided to start preaching before the mid credit scene um he 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 feels bad about the whole situation uh and said he's learned a good lesson yeah exactly it's just seeing like i get his heart in the whole thing but (laughs) but even if the lights were up even if the lights were up i don't know that's the most effective you know no that's not what people want to hear. Not. It's off-putting. It makes Christians look bad. Mm. Come on, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Does he yeah. say? I'm sorry if you said this. I don't remember it though. But does he say? Is that what he always does after every movie? Apparently, so yeah. I don't know guys. how many people go to your time. <laughs> with Michael Weber. If anything, guys. the most effective places to preach like this are like at at places like the when people are walking into concerts or where the people <laughs> want to go have fun. <laughs> Right. That's when you yell at them about a very heavy message. Yeah, like, yeah that's, that's right. where you get the biggest reception. The one, so uh, the, those ones, I I understand conceptually that the fundamentalist street preachers feel like the people attending this event are you know secular. Or they're not. Hmm. They're not living for the Lord if they're here now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. leaving a rock concert or downtown at two in the morning clubbing mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That that I get. 
that. Yeah, but, there's some logic but there. Why are you yelling at me coming out of the soccer game? You know, like <laughs> yeah. I know what you guys do. There's a there. lot of there's a lot of Christians at that soccer game. Like you, you can't assume that all soccer fans are needing to are be yelled at. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't think this is like new season of our listeners, but it's not the most effective. But especially after a movie, you know what I mean? Like, especially a movie he had, he wanted to see the movie. Yeah, he was like, he excited the about end. the movie, but just part of the movie going for him. Like for other people, it's like oh, I got to get popcorn. You know, I always get goobers at the theater. <laughs> That's my thing. It's not going to the movies if I don't get goobers. For this guy, it's like it's not really going to the movies if I don't stand up and yell at everybody. <laughs> text out to all his buddies like hey let's go on Sunday at noon and they're all like oh crap he wants us to go to the movies <laughs> hey guys the new Fast and Furious is coming out I can't wait to see it oh sorry Mike got plans yeah. tonight yeah. <laughs> exactly they he, like, see him the at the theater I thought you guys had plans it's opening night <laughs> hey what theater are you in Mike I just want to make sure you know. <laughs> so lesson learned lesson learned for any up and coming evangelists out there choose your lane choose your spots, <laughs> choose your you know? spots wisely <laughs> alright what do you have on Andre. Well, um, do you remember Bill Hader's character on SNL when he would uh, come on Weekend Update? Stefan? Yeah, yeah. Stefan, yes, yeah, I yeah. love him. And he always was like, this this year's hottest club is, which I actually think yeah. my impression's that's pretty good. Really, I, yeah, that's that pretty was good. actually I really good. I just surprised good. myself. Um, yeah. yeah, and he's always got some weird place where they're doing it. So this is kind of a story where it's that kind of thing that happens, but completely in the wrong scenario. So, oh, great. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu recently offended the Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe when he had a dessert served to the Japanese Prime Minister in a shoe. What? Uh, yes. The two were at Netanyahu's home for a fancy dinner catered by an Israeli celebrity chef who served up a chocolate praline kind of dessert in what appeared to be two pairs of men's black dress shoes. Now, for clarification, the shoes are not real. They were metal sculptures by an international artist named Tom Dixon, who's a big deal. Like his stuff has appeared in museums and stuff. So these are high quality pieces of art, but they were not impressive to the Japanese dignitaries at the dinner because you understand like in Japanese culture, they don't even allow shoes in the house, much less on the table to to eat out of. I wonder if it was like a, like a social commentary thing by the chef and the, you know, like I, that seems like such a strange bolt. Yeah, choose. what's a weird thing to do? That's so strange. Which they pointed out. They were like, there's no culture in the world where that would be someone would allow shoes on a dinner table. A <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Right. I think it's just the hipster food thing going too far. Yes. Like, it, like yeah. it's not cool to serve an ice cream sundae in a half a banana bowl anymore. You know, I mean, that used to be the standard of novelty bowls. Okay. Like, like oh, dude, check this out. This is an actual banana that my banana splits in. It just looks like a big half a banana. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole like absurd food trend. It, okay. Honestly, what this is, it's like a Portlandia sketch. Right? It's like yeah. the hipster chef that they hired to yeah. make this. The dress food, like in his mind, he's just doing something really cool, yeah, you know, yeah. and he does yeah. not see. But this is this is a Portlandia sketch come to life. Yeah. It, it really right. is. That's so funny. Yeah, that's super great. I wouldn't enjoy that either. Yeah, we all knew that this was going to go too far, like the hipster food trend thing. And here it yeah, is. I, I'll say this, though. In his defense, I will say there is nothing funnier than that coffee mug that's shaped like a big toilet. <laughs> you guys have seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. But it's like a ceramic toilet. You know, yeah. 
with a coffee mug handle on the side. And when you see someone take a sip out of it, it yeah. is hilarious. Like it's, it's like if you, I, I don't, I'm not like, you know, a comedy expert, but I think it's the funniest mug you can own is the mini toilet mug. Okay. So I, interestingly, I, we have a coffee bar here at the office and, and a couple years ago I went online to buy some nice mugs, you know, for just so we have a lot of a variety, different personality, you know, and, and you can, everybody kind of gravitate to their favorite mugs, whatever. So I went on Amazon. I was just buying a wide variety of high quality mugs and I found the, the toilet mug. And I was like, well, we got to get the toilet mug. You know, no question. That has to be in the mix. So I ordered it. It was like, oh, it's only like five ninety nine. Wow, this is great. It's a good uh, good deal on the toilet mug. Yeah. And it shows, and it comes in the mail, and it was the size of a shot glass. It was like a little. Oh, like wow. a little no, you got. They, they ripped you off. They, ripped it was me like off. The they never said version. this is miniature. Wow. The picture looked like a mug. I mean, and I, you know. So we have a shot glass of a toilet if you want one. They set That's, you up. I'm offended yeah. that you didn't show that to me when I was there two weeks ago. <laughs> here's your here's your Annie, beverage. look at this. This is funny. Yeah, it's got to be full mug size. Yeah. yeah. Someone at Christmas gave me a mug that is a donut with a hole in the middle, which is hilarious to look at. But stirring and drinking out of it is impossible because it's a circle. It's right. a donut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't stir. You can't do anything. So it just it, I should just set it by the tiny toilet because you can't okay. actually here's use this. It. Here's a real story. Somebody gave uh, me and my wife one time mugs for Christmas um, that are, <laughs> I don't, I have no idea from some probably fancy store and probably paid a lot of money for them that look like that. It, so it's a mug and it has like a mitten, like a ceramic mitten and you put your hand in the mitten and you hold your mug to drink your cocoa out of. Oh, so they cute. gave us these, these glasses and they poured us hot cocoa and they're like, here, let's use them. There's a reason that the, the, the handle of the coffee mug is like extended oh, out sure. because ceramic, it's super, super hot. Uh. So literally you stick your hand in there and it's, and it's like a game of like, who can hold the hot, the, the, <laughs> the boiling hot mug the longest without blistering sides, their hands? Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's sticking your hand into a tiny ceramic onion uh, oven yeah. is what it is. <laughs> oh my God. Ceramic onion. That would be a good mug too. <laughs> That's a great mug. Let's create that one. That That's, would be good. That's funny. All right. What do you have, Annie? Okay. So after I was in Orlando a few weeks ago, this will just give you a, a blink into my mind. I was thinking about the roller coasters and thinking about the amusement parks y'all have and which ones I would like to go to next time. And I started doing some Googling, some, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. And there is a roller coaster in Japan at the theme park in Osaka, the Universal Studios called the Flying Dinosaur. And last week, one of the cars, like one of the sets of cars, got stopped upside down where the people were actually horizontal to the ground. They were sideways to the ground and they were stuck up there for two hours. Can you imagine hanging upside down on a on the track for two Hours. I don't know how the blood didn't rush to all their heads and make them all sick. And how did it take two hours to get like a ladder up there? You right? know what I mean? Well, it was all the way. It was all the way up. 64 seat. Two carriages, each with 32 passengers, got stuck, leaving the passengers horizontally facing the ground. Wow. And some were suspended closer. There was another car that was stuck. Oh. So that and then only a year ago, this exact same thing happened at this same on the same um, roller coaster at the same park, but they stopped it on purpose because a kid, like a little, little kid got out into the area where you're not supposed to be when roller coasters are going by. So they had to like stop it and they left a car dangling at the top. So don't ride the flying dinosaur in Japan. The, at uh, Universal, 
uh, stu- uh, Islands of Adventure here in Orlando. They have, uh, I think they say it's like the world's tallest, completely vertical incline, right? Uh-huh. So it's uh-huh. 90 degrees. I mean, it is a straight up. That's how you go up Yeesh. and then, you know, you go flying all over after that. Do you go... You don't go down that straight. No, no, no. You go up and then that at the peak is where, you know, whatever. But it goes straight. I mean, it is literally, there's not like, you know, we go to water parks and you're up there even those crazy vertical slides and they drop you and you feel like you're just free falling for a split. But if you look at it from the side, no, this is angled. I mean, like this isn't, but it, it feels feels, like it's straight. Yeah. Um, no, this is straight. Okay. Oh my God. So you, you're going up, you're going straight on your back all the way up. And like two weeks after it opened, it got stuck. And, you know, normally on a roller oh. coaster, there's like the little walkway you can get. If yeah, but there's no walkway. There's no walkway because it's straight up uh, in the man. air. Oh, they wow. had to get a helicopter. Well, like no. they, it was stuck. Like they that couldn't just like. That makes my stomach hurt. You yeah, just yeah. tell so the, the story. Cam. But I mean, people are sitting there, you know, the, at least they're like laying on their back, you know, essentially because yeah. they're, you know, yeah. their feet are in the air and they're laying on their back and they were stuck there for hours. And oh it was on the news gosh. and stuff because like it, the news was covering it with choppers because like, yeah, there's, you know, 40 people, just, you know, dangling. And, Goodness. Uh, I mean, it, can you imagine oh. hanging upside down for yeah. two uh, hours? Upside no. down. No, no, no. Yeah. That's no, crazy. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, have awful. you ever been on that Six Flags? See, Six Flags ones scare me because you're not. Six Flags to me is one step above the county fair. You know, some of those rides <laughs> no, are like. Oh, that's not true. <laughs> Which Six Flags are we talking about? I'm talking about specifically the Atlanta one. I knew it. Six Flags <laughs> over Georgia. <laughs> I, it's just hey, like. Hey, Cameron, to be fair, what's a state fair? What's a state, state fair? fair right. county fair. Okay. You know, Andre, did you grow up going to Six Flags I did, over in Georgia? Every too? summer, season pass. I yeah, what ta- what, where did you grow up in Atlanta? I don't know that. I grew up in Stone Mountain. Um, Come so on, Marietta. We were neighbors. What? See, there you we go. We were probably sitting on those roller coasters saying, now go ahead and bash our hometown no, 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 roller coasters no, no. and then saying, we will come in there, hot after that. There camera. was, <laughs> I've only been, I mean, back then, Orlando didn't really have roller coasters, right. you know? And, and so if we wanted, as teenagers, roller coasters, we would road trip up to Atlanta and go to Six Flags. Um, I think I went during college and there was a new ride. It was a, like a, I think it was a Batman or Superman ride. Uh-huh. And you it's strap yourself in yep. and then they go... Like you're flying. Oh, wait, you know that's Superman. Yeah, it's like... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're yeah. right, you right. strap in standing up and then the whole thing turns yeah. completely sideways and you're flying around yeah, with your harness. They got that at SeaWorld now too. Do they really? Yeah, the manta ray or and something. And I like just that. remember like, I don't get scared on roller coasters, but I just remember go- when that thing started and I'm going, oh, you're staring straight at the ground. Yeah. I mean, you're I just... Love it. You're yeah. dangling. And your whole body's just, just dangling. That's my favorite kind. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just going like, I mean, other roller coasters, like if it goes bad, at least you're sitting down. So, you know, like, like yeah. there's no real yeah. danger. This, if that bolt gave way you're, you're done yeah Bye. That's, that's true that's yeah. it you're done. and yeah. like i it's like real fear like i'm really going <laughs> i am putting all of my faith in that bolt right yeah. now and uh, yeah yeah i have a real real fear of roller coasters really really yes, i'm i've did you ride them in it at six i Flags? did but i had a little trick first off i can't see anything without my glasses so that's the first thing i'm doing oh, is taking those things off right super blurry and i sing the entire time Interesting. Oh, that's adorable. What do you say? <laughs> <calm yourself? laughs> hey, I'll say this, Andre. You sound like you're pretty fun to ride roller coasters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sign me up. I'll sit by that guy. So, I sing the entire so time just to wh- calm myself down. What about like Space Mountain or whatever where it's completely dark? Uh, 
Well, okay, so Space Mountain was not scary for me. Yeah, I, I when when Bush, I live near like Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, and like the uh, the big story here when it happened was they had this roller coaster. I think it made national news, but it was called Apollo's Chariot. And for to open it, they were like, "Man, what's a cool publicity thing?" And they're like, "Who looks like a Greek god like Apollo?" So they hired Fabio. Uh, you guys know oh, Fabio, wow. the, yes, the romance, yeah. the romance uh, novel model to come because he looks like Greek god and set him front row on the first ride ever of Apollo's chariot. He came back and his face was covered in blood oh, because no. on the first right. ride he hit a goose mid-flight <laughs> in a no. bloody right. hole. Yeah. There's a video yeah. of it. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my, you know, I, uh, I monitor what Cohen watches on YouTube. Uh, he was in the car the other day and he, we were talking about water parks and, mm-hmm. and he was like, um, dad, my friend was telling me that there's these videos where they'll like rank the most thrilling or most dangerous water parks. Can I watch that video? Yeah, you can. So I watched it with him or I was listening to it mm-hmm. and it was like this YouTuber and he's like the 15 most dangerous water slides. And sure enough, it's all these stories of people going on these like free fall water or, oh, or like, yeah. or, or like it goes down so fast that yeah. like it's meant for adults, but like a, an, a, a child that's like lightweight uh-huh, went on it and uh-huh. like got airborne oh, and no. like oh. fly off and, Die and I'm sitting there. Turn it off. <laughs> like, like, yeah. That's enough. Yeah. I thought we were just talking Those about like so adrenaline uh, water slides. Oh it's about children gosh. dying on these things. Well, yeah, we oh, can't yeah, like say this has done nothing yeah. for my fear of roller coasters, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, but did you do? So you did all of them back at um, Six Flags, Andre? I didn't do all of them, but I but I would like. I got on the Mindbender and which was later yeah, called the Riddler. Sure. Um, the Georgia Cyclone, of course, you had to ride. The Cyclone's the worst one because it's wooden, and the whole time you're like, "This is one like toothpick away from disintegrating." It is rickety, and that's why when Cameron initially said it's one step above the state fair, I was kind of like, "I can't really argue with you about you that." You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like <laughs> that one ride, that one you ride. You go to Disney or Universal, and everything is so themed and so smooth. Yeah, you're yeah. going, I'm not nothing. This isn't scary. There's nothing bad's going to happen here. I don't care if it's thrilling or not. You go to Six Flags, and you legitimately aren't sure if they did the safety inspection that day. You know, right. the Georgia Cyclone feels like the first roller coaster ever. Here's my here's my red flag for when I get on a roller coaster because there's another amusement park here like King's Dominion. And like if the you know, you're talking about the Superman ride or the or the Batman ride or like Space Mountain or whatever. If whatever franchise they're licensing is extremely out of date, that's uh, that like I went on like the Wayne's World hurler. Wow. And I'm like, the last Wayne's World was like twenty years ago now. It concerns me that this was licensed at a time where not yeah. only that film was still relevant, but was big enough to make a roller coaster out right, of it. That right. seems yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's it seems like this is probably not a great idea, you know? <laughs> There's yeah. one ride at Six Flags in Atlanta called um, Monster Plantation. Yep. And that the inside of that for sure smells like a state fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that thing's yeah. weird because there's water and it and it's in Atlanta where it's always muggy. And yeah, I can connect with you on that part. It's a creepier version of It's a Small World. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a monster yeah. version. Yeah, with it's like why it was. It was smells. almost like someone was like, "We don't have the rights to do. It's a small world, so we're going to uh-huh. do our exactly. own." And it's completely monsters. Yeah, it's all monsters. It's <laughs> like a haunted house, but it's not really scary. Yeah, I was scared of smells. Monster Plantation as a child. Really? Yeah, just weird. I, really? You were scared as a kid? They were like, they were like, they were like, like shady fraggles. Like you know what I mean? Like, just like... It does feel... If, it is very fraggly. That's a great, that's a great way to describe <laughs> like it. Like, monsters are fraggly. on the south side of town. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like... They definitely have a mean shank. fraggles. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, yeah, but but yeah. there's something just inherently creepy about a, like unlicensed knockoff stuff. <laughs> yes, it feels yes, like yes, a little off. Yeah. Like yeah. what? You know what I mean? Like like when you when you're like in Times Square and like knockoff Mickey Mouse comes oh, over yes. and yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. his yeah. nose isn't shaped right and he's very dirty. <laughs> like it's, it's just unsettling dirty. a little. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly six five. That was, that's that right. was one, one of my favorite plot lines of uh, the Kimmy Schmidt uh, Netflix show. Uh, yes, what, uh, yeah. When he had to you know be one of those characters yeah. and they're all the knockoffs yeah. and you know all right well on that note that'll wrap up slices okay stay tuned up next christine kane joins us You're listening to Elohim. The song is Half Love. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Alaska, Alaska with Meat Eater. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, relevant podcast listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Christine Kane is a speaker and founder of the groups A21, which fights modern day slavery around the world, and Propel Women. She's also the best selling author of several books, including her latest, Unexpected Leave Fear Behind, Move Forward in Faith, Embrace the Adventure. She's, she's busy. Yes. She does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't play. And on top of all that, she's one of my favorite teachers and preachers. She's She's so amazing. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the way that she brings all those things together. You know, like she's not, I mean, she is totally a social justice activist, right? Uh, Activist, right? 100%. And I mean, the, she's a non, she's the leader of a non-governmental organization. A, A couple of them, right? Right. And crazy powerful evangelist, you know, and you don't see that ever. Right. Yeah. And yeah. She, I, I love like she was doing, she was, she was be, kind of rising the ranks. I hate to say things like that, but getting bigger and bigger platforms for her teaching and preaching ministry. Mm-hmm. And then out of that, by traveling the world and stuff, A21 right. you know, was birthed and she embraced that. And it wasn't like a hobby thing. Yeah. And it wasn't like a little like, see like a tri- when it was trendy i mean yeah. it, is, it is an organization that's yeah. making a difference and freeing lives i mean yeah. it's incredible yeah and then in, yeah. The in like 13 that, countries yeah and then it's in the insane. middle of all that she's like i want to raise up the next generation of women yeah and like so she launched propel women i mean yeah. it's like come on now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah she's not kidding that was my favorite interview to do so far like it was chilling. really yeah really chilling wow inspiring you here you go here is christine kane So Unexpected talks about the fear of change and the unknown. And I'm wondering, wondering what inspired you to write the book? 
there was um, a lot of things. I think, um, you know, what I, I start with is on my 50th birthday, I was having this awesome birthday party, um, you know, with 150 friends on a boat in Southern California. And I kind of got off, you know, had a great night. And then on the way home, I got a text or so that I had, you know, 26 missed calls from my brother mm. um, telling me that my mum had passed away that no. night. And uh, yeah, it was like, and just kind of um, looking at life is just like that best of times and worst of times all at the same time that we just are hit with unexpected things. Um, and I think really what struck me was in the last few years, there's just been so many unexpected changes in society, um, you know, different things that happened to us. I talk about uh, when I was diagnosed with um you know, thyroid cancer with different friends of mine that have been single for 20 years longer than they thought they would, other friends that have gotten divorced, other friends that couldn't conceive children, other friends that lost children, just all the unexpected things that happen. And I think if you were to ask me what the overarching theme is, that although things are unexpected to us, they're not unexpected to God. The pain and the heartache, uh, knowing that God is... Um, consistent that God is sovereign, God is still on the throne, and He will give us grace uh, to go through it. And I also wanted to remind people to expect unexpected favor and blessings from God as well. I just think in a, a world that feels very hopeless and helpless, I really wanted to stir up that gift of faith again and say, you know, when I got my, my cancer report, I didn't know whether it was stage one or stage four, whether, you know, I was going to... Uh, be healed instantly, be right. healed through medicine or die and go to heaven and be healed. I didn't know which one, but in it all, I could have a um, a faith-filled attitude that would mean that my condition, my diagnosis or the unexpected event did not need to define me, but still my identity in Christ could define me. And I think I really, really felt stirred to, to fill people with faith again, you know. Mm. It sounds like, you know, in what you said that you know, you didn't know if it was going to turn out this way or turn out that way, um, that you were able to embrace that uncertainty in some way. I think we have this pathological need for control. And when we can't control things and they don't work out how we think, we're because we have this picture in our head, um, whether we like to admit it or not, of how things should turn out. And yet, you know, the scripture promises that his grace is going to be sufficient for us and that in this world we will have trials, in this world we will have tribulations. And I think nobody's exempt, you know, as my birthday showed and here I am, you know, trapped in the world speaking and teaching and then all of a sudden there's a growth between my, my trachea and my larynx and what it is and here's my voice box and you go, uh, I don't know where this is supposed to fit, you know, this is, this is what I do. And, um, and then, so what do you do in that moment? And, um, and is, are you going to let that necessarily derail you for the rest of your life? Or go, hang on a minute, this is what faith is for. This is what, um, you know, somewhere that I, you know, I've got a whole chapter that talks about remaining a prisoner of hope. And so I really go there because it's like, look, none of us can control the future. We don't know what's going to happen economically, politically, morally, socially. There's so much, 
you know, you open your news feed every day and there's a terrorist attack or pain or suffering or a natural disaster somewhere in the world and it's relentless. And we all have access to that information all the time and we can either complain about it or understand this is the world in which we live and that's not going to change. So how can we become better at navigating all of um, the, the challenges and the trials and the disappointments and actually having faith in the midst of it. I think that's what, you know, Paul talks about that so much in the New Testament and we see the whole Hebrews 11 book of faith. Look, they didn't inherit the promise and yet they died in faith. Would we be a generation of believers um, that would do the same, that would say, you know, against all hope, in hope I'm still going to believe, no matter, yes, I've got this cancer diagnosis, yes, my mother, you know, just passed away, yes, maybe I'm single and I expected to be married, maybe I'm divorced and I thought I'd be married forever, maybe I can't have kids and I thought that I could, maybe I thought this was going to be my dream destiny. But I think instead of, we seem to be responding in one of two ways, we're either getting very cynical and saying what God's not faithful and um, I don't think that should be the response. I think it needs to be, hang on a minute, this is my moment um, to operate in faith just like all of the faith heroes in Hebrews 11. Um, I think this is a chance for the church to to rise up and and be faith-filled. You know, for a long time, um, people thought, well, you know, you're just a happy, clappy Christian. You're just happy when everything's going well. And I'm like, well, no, I've, I've had my fair share. I, I've experienced abuse for 12 years. You know, I found out I was adopted at 33. I've gone through cancer and surgery. Um, I've had my share of disappointments. One big chapter I talk about is the pain of betrayal when, you know, close friends. I, I, that chapter seems to be resonating with a lot of people, just um, just the betrayal and, and not understanding, like, what happened, you know, and I think so much of that is going on and we see a lot of that in the social media world. Well, could we be Hebrews 11 Christians in the midst of this world of disappointment and pain and suffering that we're living in because I think um, our testimony is at stake. I really do. Yeah. It sounds like in what you said that, you know, you talk about being a prisoner of hope and in mentioning that, you know, you mentioned all of these really difficult things to face, you know, in life and society and all of that. And sometimes it seems like people think that to be hopeful, you need to kind of you know, just not think about those things, just kind of push those things to the side and ignore them and try to think happy thoughts, yeah. you know, like you said, happy, clappy Christian kind of thing. So how, how do, how, how, how do you think that people can look those things in the face and still um, have hope and, and trust in God in the midst of those things? Well, hopefully, um, that's, that's what I'm going to, I've unpacked in the book because that is, um, and that really is my modus operandi as a, a Christian. I'm very hopeful and faith-filled, um, but I'm certainly not a, a prosperity gospel preacher, you know, that everything has to be great and God's going to give you a whole right. lot of stuff. And, and I think sometimes people looking from the outside can think that, but then that I think, wow, I, I've been very, um, uh, um, you know, pain and suffering, loss and grief have been a huge part of my journey. But I think when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think that's why in Hebrews chapter 12, it's fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher. He never promised me an easy ride. or He said, in fact, his very own words said, in this world, you will have trials. It doesn't say you won't. Um, And so I, I really wanted to write a book that would sort of look at the 
hyper-faith movement that sort of says, you know, if you're really in faith, nothing bad is ever going to happen. And if something bad happens, that means something's wrong with your faith. Well, that's just mm. erroneous teaching. Faith is not calling those things that um, are as though they are not. So it's not going, I'm not sick, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, <laughs> when you've been diagnosed with cancer. That's not called faith. That is called lying. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> That is called lying. And so, you know, I kind of have looked at that tradition and went, no, no, that's not that's not helping anybody. But faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. So what I did was stood on verses of scripture about healing and the promises of God. And while I was walking through a cancer journey, I was calling forth the thing that wasn't, which is healing, as though it was. Mm. And so that's a very big difference to saying, I don't have cancer, it's under the blood, it didn't exist, I wasn't abused, it's under the blood. Right. I mean, that's all called lying. And I think that's where we have um, misinterpreted some of the faith story, you know, and you go, wow, that's, that's really sad and that has hurt a lot of people. But then what people have done in reaction to that is almost thrown faith out the window and said, well, you know, let's just accept suffering and pain and this is just how it is. Whereas I'm going, no, no, no. In the midst of it, against all hope, you can still be full of hope because your hope is actually in who Jesus is and in your understanding. And that's really, it's a book about trust and it's a book about understanding the character and nature of God. That Psalm 119 says that God is good and mm. God does good. And, you know, for me, my reading of Romans 8, 28 is that even when bad things happen, God doesn't call bad things good, but He can work even those bad things together for our good and for His glory. And I've seen that in my life. I mean, you know, here I go from 12 years of abuse and because I did not assume of the mentality and live in bitterness and unforgiveness all of my life, the, the blood of Jesus, it, it doesn't give you amnesia. It right. doesn't mean your past didn't happen, but yeah. it gives you a life beyond your past. And so now, you know, all that pain and suffering from my past, we are now rescuing literally hundreds of women and children out of sex trafficking every year, you know, received the Mother Teresa Award for Social Justice. Like none of that would have happened if I still lived in, in defeat and bitterness and negativity. So I want to see people come out of as cynical. But there seems to be a lot of cynicism out there, you know, yeah. and I'm like, we don't need to get cynical. Um, we don't need to pretend that faith doesn't, is not an active force because it is active, um, but it's just, there's no, the only guarantee, look, even if you get healed from your sickness, we're all going to die one day. Right. And so I got, you know, I got healed through medicine, through surgery of um, cancer, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to die. But right. Last I checked, there's only, you know, Enoch, I think, <laughs> went up to heaven without dying. Right. <laughs> but most of us. The, the way we're going to get to heaven is through death. And so mm. sort of this kind of theology that says, you know, um, the, the sign of faith is that um, you've got this perfect little cookie cutter life. That, I mean, that's boring on top of everything else. And right. I think people then try to avoid risk mm. and they try to just live a safe life as if that's the goal. And I'm like, no way. Life is a daring adventure yeah. and you've got to take risk. And that, that's what faith is. Faith is all about risk and it's all about trust. And so I want people to trust God even when they're betrayed by people, even when they're disappointed by people, even when they're let down by themselves, they let themselves down. And even when circumstances with great pain can, can hurt us, um, 
I think despite that, we fix our eyes on Jesus. And there is no way I could rescue the victims of human trafficking if I didn't have a higher perspective um, of Jesus and who he is. You know, I mean, the, the cases of what people do to children would just devastate me. I would lose all hope that we could actually make a difference. Um, and I tell stories of survivors that are hope-filled. And, you know, I just think... Um, I want to encourage people to to risk again, to have mm. faith again, despite disappointment, despite pain, despite betrayal. Um, look, if we haven't got faith, what the enemy is after is our faith. He doesn't want our stuff. He, he doesn't need a car. He doesn't drive. He, yeah. he doesn't. <laughs> you know, he doesn't need a house to live in. Right. So sometimes we go, oh, the enemy wants to attack my things. I'm like, oh, honey, he couldn't care. <laughs> what he wants is our faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God and. I think where you see a lack of hope, you see a lack of faith. And I see a very hopeless world at the moment. And I see a lot of disappointed and disillusioned and cynical Christians. And I'm like, no, I want to speak to that. And I want to inject you with faith afresh again. That was Christine Kane. Stay tuned up next, our Listener of the Week. expected. In fact, this whole week was filled with phone calls and conversations that I just hadn't planned on. Can you relate? I'm not a big fan of the unexpected. But you know what I found? Many times those unexpected things cause me to grow. That's what the new book Unexpected is all about. It offers real life strategies to help you move from fear and anxiety to hope and trust in God. Isn't it time you learned how to fully embrace the unexpected of every single day? Go to relevantmagazine.com forward slash unexpected to start reading for free. It's not just me. The point is that you feel my company. You know I'll never be too far if you're looking for somebody I'm here. You're listening to Let's Eat Grandma. It's not just me. <laughs> the song, for real. The song is It's Not Just Me. That's funny. Okay, it is time for... You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's the Listener of the Week. Our Listener of the Week. Okay, Jesse, who did you select this week? Our Listener this week is Jess Lyons. Jess, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Jess, where are you calling us from? Hi, Jess. Uh, I'm calling from Mishawaka, Indiana. South Bend, Indiana area. (laughs) South Bend, I love that place. Yeah, it's a good place. What? Why Why do yeah. you love that place, Annie? I have a, some friends that there's a great church there that my friends all go to. And I went and watched Georgia beat Notre Dame in the fall and I loved it. It, mm. it sounds like if Pawnee, Indiana from Parks and Rec would be a real place, it would be this place. Jess, how yeah. close is your hometown <laughs> yeah. to Pawnee in Parks and Rec? It's pretty close. We have a, a parks department head whose name is Leslie. Oh, wow. So how, do you, oh, how, wow. Do you know, how do you know that? I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know the head yeah. of our parks department in my city. How I do, don't either. I don't know. Yeah. 
it, our kind of our city is like booming and it there's been a lot of advancements in the last couple of years so it's it's exciting we've got notre dame here i work at a christian college here there's a lot going oh, do you on work at so Bethel? isn't isn't notre dame I work at Bethel, isn't yeah. notre dame a yeah. christian college uh yes <laughs> i work at a small christian college that was the distinctive uh, <laughs> notre dame you, is not okay small. i got a question you work at a small christian college in the town yep uh, that Notre Dame is in. Like to me, right. this is like the camp across the lake scenario <laughs> where you're like the gritty camp of like outcasts and across the lake is like the rich kids yeah. who are right. playing pranks for you all the time. Yeah. Are you, are you engaging in any sort of like underdog prank war with Notre Dame at all? I wish, I wish I was that clever. I'm just not, I think some of our students are, there's some crossover. Yeah. And well, you, you need to, you need, <laughs> Jess, here's the thing. If you engage okay. in that type of uh, shenanigan, we will definitely have you on for an update. Yeah, or give us a call back. Okay. Even yeah. if, even if you're in the municipal jail there in, what's your city called? <laughs> Mishawaka. Yeah. Wherever it is. If, if you, if yeah. you end up in jail there, we'd still like a call because we need to okay. know how it went down. And if you talk right. those snobs over at Nader, Notre Dame, who's boss, you yeah. know, that's what mm-hmm. we want. Okay. With, I'll tell Georgia gold helmets and just strutting all I'm over. I'm telling town. you, it was so fun watching Georgia win that game. It hey, was the uh, best. Jesse, why, uh, why did you choose Jess? What are her three facts that caught your eye? Okay. Um, oh, all right, Jess, <laughs> I really <laughs> want to dig into number one. Uh, okay. I, I mean, all three, but I'm really curious of how this uh, transpired. The one and only Dave Ramsey attended your bachelorette party. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Was that like we an accountability just do the whole segment thing? on that, I yeah. think. <laughs> I wish that I would have invited him and it was just like a really great, like I'm fangirling him and he came, but it was not that. I, I really didn't know much about Dave Ramsey when I saw him, but our my bachelorette party was at a mall, which is really great and not cool at all. But they, uh, the restaurant we were eating at was adjacent to a Barnes and Noble, which he just happened okay. to be there for like a book tour. Oh, I was saying like, I was sitting there thinking, what was Dave Ramsey doing at a mall? That is not financially prudent. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, you know, that is not prudent at all. He should yes. be at like big lots or some discount store. Right. That's right. Was he like a street seeker so, outside the mall? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 People yeah. Away. Oh Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. So, okay. So, yeah. all right, just real quick. So you're at your bachelor. Yes. Does Dave Ramsey, does anyone, how do you, who there recognizes Dave Ramsey in your bachelorette so, party? Wh- one of my bridesmaids, we're sitting out, the area we were sitting out is, it's a strange kind of setup, but it was like the restaurant was actually in this pathway through the mall and okay. this group started <laughs> congregating out into this kind of common area where there was a stage set up and everybody was just kind of following him. And one of my bridesmaids said, that's Dave Ramsey. He changed my life. He saved my marriage and starts flipping out about him. And so she ran to her car and got a book and tried to get it signed. And we were all just sitting there having flat top grill, watching the madness unfold. And I didn't really know what was happening, but it was a weird situation to celebrate you know nuptials and stuff (laughs) you said you said try to get it signed did dave ramsey not sign the book it was it was chaos i have never seen i mean it felt like rock star status so many people (laughs) very excited to see him and and this was like 2010 2011 so not many celebrities visit your town huh not yeah. many. That's correct. Also, how do you know what he looks no, like? Uh, uh, ranking hometown. Where does Regis. this rank on your list of hometown uh. celebrity encounters? Yeah, we. we it's a little uh, Bible hub here too. I mean, we've got 
many Christian colleges around here. So Dave Ramsey is is pretty much pretty much it. So, so let, let me I, here. I'm going to rank the, who I assume are the three biggest celebrities in your town. <laughs> that are always there no or no no, no. that could possibly visit can yeah. i rank them for yes. and let me know how accurate sure. this is Jess. yes okay this is this is okay. this is indiana heartland country uh <laughs> n- number one sean austin solely because of his role in rudy the film oh, rudy, oh, yeah. if you okay. love notre dame <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure okay yes. uh, number two dave ramsey number three larry bird how close yes. am i you're very close. And Sean Astin is true because of his role on Stranger Things as well, which is supposed to be in Indiana. So oh, it is? He, he's, he's yeah. a hero. And Larry Bird, Larry Bird. People love him there, yep. right? Yeah. We just had somebody told me last night that they accidentally ran into him on a street one time and it was like the highlight of their life. Yeah. Forgive me for not knowing. Is he from South Bend? Pacers. Uh, he, he's he, the, he he's the hick from French Lick. I thought he I thought he played um, for Boston. Yeah, he did uh, professionally, yeah, but, but he's from French, French Lick, Indiana, and uh, yeah, and then famously. and then uh, you know as an executive went back to the Pacers, kind of going home. Yeah. Uh, Andy Thank F. Downs, you. do okay. you have any stories related to uh, Dave Ramsey? <laughs> I do. I just went to Vegas with his daughter. That is true. <laughs> so you can tell so her. We also were had a few celebrity encounters for her where people were like, wait, you're Rachel Cruz. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This go, this literally goes against every Serious. single thing people I've learned like, from you. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and her cash envelope, y'all are going to love this. Her cash envelope kept falling out. And when we were at the craps table and finally I was like, Rachel, you have to put that in your purse. You're going to get robbed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, a, yeah. Just... They have these great things called credit cards that are very secure. Maybe you should introduce <laughs> right. her. To yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Instead, okay. Uh, all right. Jess, so you work at a college. So I'm assuming you're pretty well yep. read, but yet it says here that your favorite author is Charles Dickens, but you've never read a Charles Dickens book. Where does Charles right. Dickens, <laughs> where does your love for Charles Dickens come from? I'm yeah, hoping it's because you do like a great impression or something. Oh, no, I won't. I won't <laughs> give you that joy. <laughs> I, I heard that, that before, be? so I'm not going to go down that route. Uh, <laughs> Charles, Pretend, okay, I'm you're 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 a greedy like oil magnet, and I'm Tiny Tim, and it's Christmas Eve, and I'm very hungry. Go. <laughs> this is the scenario. Uh, no, I cannot do any and great I broke impressions. My one crutch that I own. Oh my god! Charles Dickens was a weird obsession when I was a little kid. I had a like I read a lot, like most kids, I guess. Well, maybe not most, but I was one who read a lot. And then uh, for some reason, I got really hooked on Charles Dickens biographies, and I would only check them out for like a long period of time and oh, go to the library it. and just get as many as I could find. Which I was surprised oh. that there were so many. And they would start like holding them for me because I knew they knew I was the kid who would just want to read these weird Charles Dickens biographies. And uh, to this day, I've like tried to open Great Expectations because I hear it's so good, or Tale of Two Cities, and I still haven't read them. So, what do we not know about Charles Dickens that we should know? What's the most interesting thing yeah. you've learned in all your biography readings? Mm. Uh, I mean, I feel like most people know it, but everything he's written is kind of based off of his life. He was really poor, lived in a family of lots of kids. Um, There was like... Is he Tiny Tim in The Christmas Carol? I was going to say, these biographies sound like a real bummer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like the Bob Cratchit is, uh, from what I understand, kind of like his father, like working really hard and 
uh, yeah, for not very much what, reward. What, why would you need to read many biographies Multiple telling the same right. information? I mean, I, I mean, right. aren't you seeing like ninety-eight percent of overlap? Uh, you know, from biography yeah. to biography. I don't yeah. know. I, that's a great question for my eight-year-old self. There was a pop-up biography I remember at one point, which I was really fascinated with. Yeah, well, so. that's a new medium. That's a new experience. Yeah, but that yeah. seems pretty depressing if you're learning about a like a like a broke kid at the turn of the century. That you know, <laughs> right. That that seems like a really bummer pop up. Okay, finally, Jess. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if you're the illustrator, you're like, hey, sweet, I got a new job for you. What do you got? Oh, you're doing a pop up Charles Dickens biography. And she's like, oh man, that's a real wait, 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 like a pop up Charles Dickens book? No, 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 a no, Charles no. Dickens biography. Oh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, when you started why. that conversation with the about the, I thought you were like a boss talking to the illustrator, and then you called him sweetie, and it switched for me. <laughs> to like, oh, I say sweetie? New to, scenario. No, I, I said, so. oh, sweet. No, I said, oh, sweet. Oh, I was like, oh, it's now this this theater of the minds is taking me to a family scene. It does help to know <laughs> yeah. like if the information you're getting is accurate, though. Like you can corroborate between different sources. Yeah, between I, the biographies. Yeah, I, I do know. Right? I do know a lot of people argue with me when I bring up Charles Dickens trivia at a party. So it's good to have the multiple. <laughs> Jess can be, Jess can be your really friend next time. I mean, yeah. All right, what's the third fact? Finally, uh, you once. Spent 24 hours in a Chick-fil-A parking lot in a tent in January. Yes. A very cold time of year. Uh, oh, oh, I know what this is about, Jess. I'm, I'm assuming it was too. for an opening, but I hope it right. was for another reason. Um, but but why did you do it and what was your the reward for this feat? Yes, I'm glad that it's not that surprising that this could happen. Every time I tell students this, they think it's the weirdest thing. But yeah, in college, I grew well, up in Arkansas. we didn't Arkansas. say it wasn't weird. We just said we knew why you did it. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, fine. Fine. that's fine. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Arkansas. And so I was home for Christmas. Uh, I went to school up here and was home for Christmas and had some friends who would literally uh, do tours of Chick-fil-A openings. And so they would like chart them out on a map and go to them and camp out for a whole night so that they could be the first in line and get free Chick-fil-A for a year. And so I joined them on one, like a lot of college kids probably would do. And mm -hmm. so we slept in a parking lot in January. It wasn't that bad because it was Arkansas and got Chick-fil-A all night. There was a DJ. We slept in this awesome, like kind of hotel like tent. And yeah, it was a great time. So did you, uh, how, how many people get the free Chick-fil-A for a year? The first hundred in line when it opens at 6 a.m. or something oh, the wow. next morning. In every single restaurant. Yeah. Like every single one they open, Cameron. Yeah. It's like, a, it, it's like a gift card, yeah, right? But, but you have to like road trip to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it opens in your town, you don't. <laughs> or is it? Yeah, but that? these people travel to them. Oh yeah. There are people who travel. Sure. So if you're local, you better get in line quick. Wow. Right? The only time I've the only well the done, only Jess. time I've ever slept overnight in a tent outside in a line was uh, for a Dave Ramsey book signing that happened at the Bunsen <laughs> Noble. Yeah. I was very excited about it. Yeah. Jess, so your friends, these good, friends of yours, me. they travel on and just go to Chick fil A Chick fil A openings. That's just their thing. That's what they like to do. They did, yeah. I mean, they they were other the kind of people who just had a lot of free time. And I think they went to four in one summer. So when you go to them, you get 52 oh free coupons. So they had whatever amount ah. for the year. Can I be honest? Those friends, those friends sound like they live on the not cool side of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Arkansas. The other so I'll give them that. In Arkansas, oh this major entertainment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what I did on my summer vacation, I got chicken. Um, <laughs> were you in the first hundred or were you like 104? 
Um, I was in the first hundred. I was, I don't know. We were like in the thirties or something. Yeah, oh, it'd be, good it'd be a real That's bummer to wait all night and then be 101. You know? I would yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine like you're, cause you know, you're, if you're kind of a little bit further back, you're, you're counting, you're, you're yeah. walking the line. You're right. going to, okay, one, two, three, okay, here, and can For you imagine sure. in the morning seeing somebody like, Sidle up, you know. Mm. Oh, oh those, no. them just fighting words, oh, right? Exactly. You know, like you gonna catch these names today. Yeah. I am ninety-eight. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm stayed up all night wait for this chicken. You're not yeah. getting away with me. This I am ninety-eight. <laughs> that person, I would be that guy. I would be on alert. I would call out yeah. anybody. <laughs> you right, gonna catch these coupons? You catch these hands? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Jess, uh, thanks for uh, listening and, and yeah, uh, congratulations course. on being our listener of the week. It's such a high thanks. honor. It is. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, if you want to be our, our listener of the week, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts and send us three interesting facts about yourself. Jesse watches yeah. the feed like a hawk. And uh, if one catches mm. his eye, I do too. Um, uh, he'll, uh, he'll, maybe you'll be selected for next week's show. Yep. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Many thanks to our sponsor for making the episode possible. Remember, at ZipRecruiter, you can try it for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash relevant. You can try uh, to... Uh, we've used ZipRecruiter, and it's a fantastic uh, way to find uh, great candidates for your job openings. Also, thanks to Christine Kane. You can follow her on Twitter at Christine Kane, and make sure to check out her new book, Unexpected. It is out now. Well, I guess with that, we'll wrap it up. Okay. Two weeks in the can. So far, so good. I like it. I'm liking it. Let us know what you think about the new format. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, let us know, uh, you know, what you think about two shows a week. And if again, if you missed uh, Wednesday's episode, go check it out. You you won't want to miss the uh, Andy Minio interview and the hot takes about lighthouses. <laughs> so, lighthouses. All right. Okay. Well, I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Andre Henry. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. and slap the top of LeBron's head as hard as he can in an effort to rub off his hair plugs. Relevant Podcast Network.